Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Game of Thrones, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. There, there was a bear there, all black and brown and covered in hair. everyone i'm guile i tweet at door podcast or at crispy we uh go brewers on twitter and tonight i'm joined by clotho hi i'm clotho and you can find me at clotho spindle on twitter and comma hi i'm comma and you can find me at the hyphen real hyphen comma splice on tumblr and tonight we have a couple of our occasional gents we have devin uh this is devin um gd harpo on tumblr and twitter and Mitch. Hey, this is Mitch. That's it. <laughs> I am nowhere. Nowhere, man. <laughs> um, in this episode, we'll be discussing Sansa's fourth point of view chapter in A Storm of Swords. This chapter takes place directly after Tyrion's last chapter as the book's action shifts completely to the big wedding in King's Landing. So we start off with Sansa waking up from a dream where she'd, be, where she'd been running with Lady back at Winterfell. And all of her presumed dead family are there, and she thinks, if only dreaming could make it so. Instead, she commits to waking, thinking that she must be brave, even though she's alone in the world now. And she notes that Tyrion is not in bed with her, but that it's not that strange, given that he's a poor sleeper and has often gone before the dawn. She looks out the windows and finds that the clouds in the eastern sky resemble two huge castles that seem to merge into one as the morning progresses. Um, question for everyone, you know, is this the twins? I, I was trying to think of what this could be symbolizing. Was it the twins? Was it the Baratheon? You know, was it Tommen and Joffrey? Um, any ideas what that could symbolize? It sounded like it meant something. I was thinking about the two and I didn't come up with any, you know, specifics, but it definitely went on enough that it was, uh, seemed to be pointing to something. Yeah, like, my literary analysis was really failing me, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> So her maids I got nothing. <laughs> uh, Sansa's maids arrive, and we see that Tyrion's solution to the Shea problem was to replace Sansa's former maids with Shea Umbrella. And so basically, instead of Cersei spying on Sansa, essentially Tyrion is spying on Sansa. And the maids don't quite have Sansa's imagination regarding the clouds. Umbrella um, thinks one is falling over. And Shay, Sansa thinks, is a bit insolent. Um, she's They definitely don't have the motherly relationship we saw on the show. It seems like Shay is kind of, like, not super excited about being Sansa's maid. Yeah, very different. She is like, this was not in the job description. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't say that I blame her. I mean, she went from having her own house, her own servants... Fancy clothes, a bunch of jewels. All she had to do was bang Tyrion periodically. Even though right, that, and she still right there, bang Tyrion, right there, she, with that, whole, I mean, yeah. she was underpaid. And she's now got she's got two jobs. Yeah. And she's working for his wife. Yeah, I mean, it's like a solid case of like underemployment, basically. Like, <laughs> poor Shay. Um, so we find out that Sansa's getting ready for Joffrey's wedding breakfast, and honestly, this is why I was excited about this chapter, because I love breakfast. Um, and San- and Sansa's going to be with the... T- Sansa and Tyrion will be hanging out with the Tyrell men and the Lannister party, 
while Marjorie gets ready with the Tyrell women. And since is pretty bitter about this, she thinks that they've, you know, they've made her a Lannister. And, you know, I get that, but I'm also sort of thinking, like, obviously Marjorie and the ladies would have a super fun brunch, and she's at some bullshit event with Joffrey. And, you know, can't really blame her for being upset about that. So after she's dressed, Tyrion arrives, and he's basically already pre-functioning. Um, he's already drinking. They're both clearly nervous about the breakfast and coping with it in their own ways. You know, Sansa's being brave and Tyrion's um, being drunk, basically. Because that's going to help. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Tyrion has Pod with him, and I feel like this is kind of one of the first times that we got a real description of Pod. Um and we get Sansa's thoughts on him, which I thought, you know, that could prove important later in Wins. And also, I love Pod, Book Pod. So I just I wanted to read a short passage about Pod. <laughs> it's totally irrelevant to the chapter, maybe. Um, so, when the imp returned a short time later, he was presentable enough and even a little taller. Podrick Payne had changed as well and looked almost a proper squire for once although a rather large red pimple in the fold beside his nose spoiled the effect of his splendid purple, white, and gold raiment. He is such a timid boy. Sansa had been wary of Tyrion's squire at first. He was a Payne, cousin to Sir Illyn Payne, who had taken her father's head off. However, she'd soon come to realize that Pod was as frightened of her as she was of his cousin. Whenever she spoke to him, he turned the most alarming shade of red. And I just feel like, oh, Pod. (sighs) Fucking love so Okay, who else is shipping them? Yeah, it's great for shippers. <laughs> I feel like she's like too old for him almost, even though I think there's it's just it's so sweet. Yeah. It, it it like hurts my heart a little bit. I mean, these are two people who are genuinely, I think, kind people caught in this horrible world and I don't know. So one thing I noticed is that Tyrion's kind of a dick to Pod. You know, he's making fun of Pod for not being able to look at Sansa when he talks to her. And it just struck me as, can you imagine how horrible Tyrion would be if Pod were confident with Sansa? Oh, gosh. Oh, yeah. Like, he'd probably have him killed. Like, that, you know, he's that um, insecure. So... Uh, Sansa really doesn't want to go to this breakfast, and she thinks about claiming she's sick or that she has her period, but instead she tells herself that she, quote, must be brave, like Rob, and she takes her husband's arms. And, her arm, not his arms. (laughs) (laughs) story. (laughs) This made me think that we get get quite a bit of Sansa thinking about Rob in her chapters, Mm -hmm. and there seems (laughs) to be this evidence from Sansa's side that they are pretty close. But we really don't get much from um, the other side. You know, Kat never really thinks about them having a particularly close relationship. And, you know, does anyone have any thoughts about the Sansa-Rob relationship? Um, you know, what do we – What do, do we think they were close? You know, what do we think that was like? Because it, it seems like they have a pretty similar character to me. But um, close in age, right? They're the, yeah. they're the closest uh, or one of the – I guess she's the next I think sibling. She and Arya might yeah, be she... closer in age, oh, okay. but it's it goes Rob, Sansa, Arya, Bran, Rickon. Yeah. So, yeah. so maybe like you know how siblings sort of can pair off. I only had one other sibling, so I'm not sure, but they sort of maybe group off, and maybe she went towards you know Rob and Arya with John, and they just she and Rob both seem kind of traditional in a way that yeah. Arya and 
you know, Arya's role and Bran, for that matter, really aren't. So it sort of seems like they just maybe have more values, more <laughs> more things in common. Well, they probably would have, I mean, because there's, what, a three or four year difference between Sansa and Arya? Yeah, but John was also also around at that time. I always got the sense that Sansa was never really close to any of her siblings. Yeah. That's what I always felt like. That could be. I thought but I mean she was close to Rickon because he'd be, you know, she'd be like having to probably do some of the child rearing for Rickon. Well, it could be too. I mean, like Rob would have been. He'd always would have been like being reared to be. I mean, th- she would have known quite early on that he was going to be the heir and all of that. So maybe like, you know, he was held up as somebody and and reared as somebody to be like, have an admirable character. So maybe, you know, she sort of modeled herself on him a little bit. I would think they would kind of get a lot of the same, you know, a lot of the same non um, military education, just in being that Sansa would have been raised to assume that she was going to be, yeah. Um. You know, leading a household. Yeah. Be a as lady. Well. So yeah. Yeah. And maybe George and, and, is just filling in. Uh, well, it could be. I mean, the other thing is, is like with five kids, I kind of wonder how much, you know, like busy household to run, a lot of things going on. You're the big late. I mean, maybe Cat didn't really. It's kind of interesting. She doesn't comment on it, but maybe it was there, and it's just something that wasn't. And maybe it's sibling order, but also it's interesting that he chose them to sort of look um, the Robin Sansa take after the Tully side more. It sounds like um, yeah. Yeah. hair color, and the other ones that are darker sort of more like the black sheep of the family. Like I don't know if he's just being really obvious about his, you know, you know. I feel like he thinks yeah, he thinks a lot about hair color. So yeah, like he is that weird about that. Something. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> hair color is everything. That yeah, yeah. yeah. Like oh, you're. <laughs> Your red hair or whatever hell disposition. Someone was telling me their dream job was naming the colors of, of um, L'Oreal hair color, which I would love to name the colors of OPI nail polish, but I feel like George <laughs> would love to name like the L'Oreal hair colors. Oh, like gosh. that would be his like dream side. And he would give if... him weird spellings. And I noticed in this chapter <laughs> that Maester Keith's or whatever the name of the book, who wrote the book is Keith was spelled K A or uh, something like, like goofy. <laughs> oh. So um so anyway, we move on to the breakfast and um it's I was really hungry when I wrote my notes and I don't really get to have like, I'm doing I'm doing intermittent intermittent fasting and so oh. I, I don't really get to have breakfast anymore, so it sounded really good to me. Um so they've got honey cakes with blackberries and bacon and fried fish and pears and this like really good sounding Dornish dish with eggs, peppers, onions, and cheese. And like, the only matter. things missing were coffee and <laughs> some kind of cheesy hash browns. And it's kind of like, you know, awesome. knowing George's physique, I feel like he would appreciate cheesy hash browns and it seems like really something that he's overlooking as part of this feast. <laughs> yeah, it's missing that kind of Yeah, they were all about Where's the carbs, George? Where are the carbs? <laughs> I guess there's the honey cakes, but still, like, needs more carbs. Um, I, I do have to say, for the first time in a long time, I was in agreement with Tyrion that maybe, you know, just maybe if you're going to some dinner with, like, 77 courses you that... You might have a light breakfast. But like, but still, they oh. eat it all. I mean, there's. I'm like, what are you thinking? I mean, 
It is kind of surprising. So they also have milk, mead, and this light golden wine. And it kind of strikes me as really surprising that they don't have Bloody Marys. Like, I feel like that's it right in. Like, oh, I can tell, you know, I can tell who's not from Wisconsin here. Like, there would totally be a Bloody Mary bar at this breakfast (laughs) normally. Like, come on. He's something, yeah. Or no mimosas or anything. Oh, gosh, yeah, Um, like totally mimosas. So Tyrion is, you know, Tyrion's drinking the wine and Sansa has a little bit of the food, but you can kind of tell she's just really nervous about Joffrey and she can't even eat. Um, so then we come to the part of the chapter that I'm really looking for a little bit of guidance on because this was really like confusing the hell out of me. So Cersei gives Joff the wife's cloak and I'm really confused by this because Cersei says she wore it when she married Robert and that Joanna wore it when she wed Tywin. Hmm. So I just, I'm like, oh. wouldn't Cersei have started in Joanna's cloak and then she would have worn Baratheon colors? Yes, it should so be. Yeah. Right, yeah. so shouldn't the cloak that Marjorie gets be, be you know, Baratheon golden black? Yeah, yeah and it like, should, and I think it's... Lannister's even trying anymore. So she's just <laughs> no, doing that, not. yeah, to make them the big wigs instead of that, like to erase the Baratheons. The funny thing is, is all of those kids, I mean, as shitty a parent as Robert was, all of those kids identify as Baratheons. To them, he was their father. Right. And it's Cersei who's constantly trying. Well, even Joffrey. I mean, he wanted his father's attention and admiration. And I mean, if he wanted anything that was human, I mean, it was probably that. And he never got that. Right. So, yeah, this just seemed, like, really confusing to me, and it seems like it should have raised more eyebrows, I feel like, but... Well, maybe it's, like, our society now, where all of that yeah. seems normal. Who knows? So Sorry, then, I had to get my in. <laughs> we get to the gifts, and apparently this is a tradition from the Reach, and it seems kind of a nice one. So, the morning before the wedding, the individuals get individual gifts while the morning after they get couples gifts. And so think about how, like in theory, Marjorie gets to register twice for every wedding. <laughs> so, yeah. He's got she the got West Rose of like six toasters at this point. <laughs> so, you know, she's doing well. Um, and so is Joffrey. He's, he's getting, you know, the usual gifts, bows, boots, saddles, jewelry, ships named after him. Um, Sansa thinks that Joff is being quite gracious, but thinks that his behavior has been getting worse and worse. And, you know, we see how wasted he is at the Purple Wedding. And, you know, I was wondering, does Joff, you know, is this kind of evidence that Joff is starting to show the same kind of issues with alcohol that Tyrion and Cersei oh. and, you know, Robert do, for that matter? Yeah. And... <laughs> my notes i have to share my notes because sometimes i'm sure you guys know you get a little loopy when you write your notes and i have does he like beer does he have beer does he write it down in this calendar oh god, <laughs> oh, god. Yeah, i really like beer no oh, it, it did make me think you know as he's coming of age and like this is getting more socially acceptable for him to drink you know it does seem like from Sansa's perspective he is actually becoming even worse um well like the guy who loves the beer who we're not naming um i joffrey is not checked in any way so there's nobody anymore that he can i mean maybe tywin maybe cersei i well, think it's interesting 
to I, say, I hey, lay that. off yeah. the booze. I mean, for and, to be considered an alcoholic in that time period, I got the impression you have to drink an awful lot because they drink it a lot. So to be an right. alcoholic for them is really, really, to me, I sounds so. insane. You know, <laughs> I don't know about that. I think it's more like, can you hold your liquor? So you could be a high-functioning alcoholic and probably skate under the radar, but... I think it's behavior combined with. I think it's well, behavior. Like, think about it's being able to hold to social norms. If you can't do that, that's when there's a problem. Yeah, or like you know, think about Dantos and how you know he obviously is a super big drinker, but it was the fact that he was drunk at the tourney. You know, when it was his turn to joust, like okay. that's kind of when to get doomed yeah. him. Yeah, like, I'm trying to think if there's like like an early Don Draper in a song of ice and fire, like somebody who's clearly got some issues that we would know, but is still managing to kind of pull it together. And I Tyrion. can't think of it. Well, no, I don't know. I think it's Tyrion is more. Off the rails. He's late Don Draper. I mean, he's, he's <laughs> drinking vodka in the morning with a splash of juice kind of, I mean, I, I don't think he's, functioning i mean he might be functioning well at the beginning but i think he's sliding pretty rapidly into you know mm-hmm. obvious problem so we see josh's josh joff's courtesy disappear when Tyrion presents him with a huge old book and it's the lives of four kings a history of the reigns of darian baylor Egan the unworthy and Darian the good and joff is not pleased. Joff is like, you're giving me wild cards. You're giving me fire and blood. <laughs> the printer. You know, he kind of is throwing a, you know, doesn't really know how to accept uh. this gift. Um, and people are trying to mollify him. You know, Uncle Kevin is all, every king should read it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to your earlier point, comma, Tywin's really invisible in this scene until, mm-hmm. you know, closer, you know, until he gives his gift. And, you know, it's like Tywin's too busy being pissed at Tyrion to effectively manage Joffrey. Yeah. And, you know, it just seems like another, you know, for all for all the admiration Tywin gets for, you know, doing things or getting things done, you know, he's absolutely not getting the job of... Um, no question. I, I think... <sighs> I think what I'm saying is I think in terms of somebody who could check Joffrey in theory, because they're certainly not doing it. You're looking, I don't think Cersei has that power anymore. No, I think the only one left might be Tywin who certainly doesn't really do much. Do you think he feels like it doesn't ultimately, do you think he's underestimating the damage it can do that he's figured it's internal? It's not really going to, you know, it's just Tyrion. Oh, well, I mean, think maybe that's his, you know, I just think he thinks he's that like he can handle change. it when it gets really bad. Like, he just doesn't think this is that bad. Yeah. He's yeah, General Kelly. He just hasn't realized who he's working for yet. Well, and I think, too, it's like, as long as Joffrey's, like, ire is focused on Tyrion, he um, yeah. can't do other... He doesn't really care. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think it's like, he's... Tywin is always... I mean, like, he was the hand with Ares. Yeah. You know, he's oh, used to doing the functioning part of governance. And Joffrey is so not into that. Joffrey doesn't give a shit. I mean, God, if you could put up with Ares, then, I mean, you've got to be able to put up with Joffrey. But, I mean, I think if Joffrey were in there trying to get into the day-to-day stuff, that might be different. But Tywin is effectively still ruling. I yeah, mean, yeah, I mean, Tywin... It's only when Joffrey goes psycho that there's a problem. And Joffrey annoyance. generally... If he's going psycho on the right people, why would Tywin care? 
I feel like way, it, I don't find Taiwan admirable. I'm just saying, I mean, I'm just where he's coming from. In this case, in particular, it seems like Taiwan really wants to like lay off so that his gift will look really good at the end. Oh, he's kind of letting the build up. <laughs> I don't <laughs> know. Crap happened. No, I mean, I mean sort of. Yeah, yeah. Like he, was, he definitely like makes a point of like waiting for everyone else to go, right? Yeah, like he definitely, you know, I want to act wants to act like he's saving the best for last. Well, he is. I mean, he's wanted that Valerian sword for his family. Remember, for quite a while. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's tried to buy it off of other houses to no effect. He's finally got it. He's arrived. So, um, so we get more of Joffrey's reaction to the book, and he says that his father had no time for books, and you know. Robert wasn't a dumb man, and I just feel like maybe he never had access to the books he would enjoy. Like, if there was a, you know, <laughs> M- Melee's Monthly magazine, like, Robert would have read that. <laughs> or, you know, I know people people who have sons often say that the, the Hatchet series, like, that is something that, get, that gets boys into reading that, you know, otherwise maybe aren't. Like, they really enjoy those books. So, like... I feel like Robert would be into stuff like that. So I'm not going to just, you know, accept Joff's thing here. And I think we're also supposed to think, you know, oh, he's actually talking about Jamie. But I'm going to actually push back on that even harder because I feel like Jamie is clearly read. You know, Jamie knows all the stories of these knights. Like, he's read he's read books about the great knights and kings of Westeros. Like, that's just, you know, who he is. He loves reading the white book. Right, and he was, yeah, I mean, he just seems like he hero worships a bit too much to have not read, you know? Like, he would be the kid that would have, you know, he'd have, like, the knight, the Kingsguard trading cards, and he'd have, you know, like, that kind of crap. He'd know, like, he'd be, Jamie would be, like, super into, like, the Westerosi equivalent of fantasy football, and I feel like that does require a certain amount of reading. <laughs> I was just going to say his fantasy king's guard. I'm sure he's been yeah. a long time. Yeah. Oh, God. Arthur Dane has six kills this year. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad it started him this this year. Yeah. Um, this war. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Joffrey says that if Tyrion read less, he'd have gotten Sansa pregnant by now, which um, I didn't realize sex and reading were mutually exclusive. Um, Joffrey tells Sansa that never fear. Once he's bedded Marge, he'll show Tyrion how it's done. And I feel like this is clearly Sansa's biggest fear. Um, you know, she's afraid of Joffrey doing that, but I, but she's also afraid of Tyrion's reaction here. And, you know, I, I don't think she's into Tyrion, obviously, but she knows that he's affording her some level of protection yeah. that she is, you know, concerned about. So, oh, go ahead. No, I meant justify. I think I'm agreeing with yeah. you. Um, so then Mace kind of cuts the tension by rolling on in with his gift, which sounds, frankly, awesome. Um, it's a three-foot-tall chalice with seven faces glittering with gemstones, um, one for each of the seven kingdoms. You know, So each face of it has a different, like a, a wolf... A flower, you know, all the stuff. It's like, this is a really, like, a three-foot-tall chalice. It's an awesome gift. I'm sorry. <laughs> and, um, you know what to get, Guile. 
<laughs> yeah, if someone wants to get me a three foot tall chalice, I feel like that. I feel like it's sort of like the Stanley Cup, really, is what yeah. I'm picturing, except with, you know, more ornate, Funny. but like that. Like, yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> Take that to the next party. Um, <laughs> so Joff is a dick, and he's like, oh, we'll have to replace the direwolf with the squid. <laughs> Whatever. Um, Joffrey mutters that if, or sorry, Tyrion mutters that if Joff drinks half a chalice, he'll be falling down drunk. (laughs) And you know, Sansa thinks, good, maybe he'll break his neck. Which I'm sorry, so much foot foot and a half. But let's be fair, a foot and a half of wine. (laughs) Yeah, he's just gonna be falling down drunk. Jesus, Tyrion. Like, how much does you? Tyrion might not be, but yeah, (laughs) most normal people don't. You know, Tyrion obviously is a dwarf. George R. R. Martin, you introduced a three foot tall chalice into the story. Oh and at god. no point do you have Tyrion like in the chalice drinking on Oh my it. gosh. <laughs> Going to hell, Daryl. How tall is Tyrion? What happened? Oh. oh. I forget how tall they said he was. He said it was, was almost as big as him, so Four feet, kind of ish. <laughs> yeah, the but foreshadowing yeah, like, in this chapter. How is this not happening? <laughs> I mean, I'm five foot six, and that sounds. I mean, who the hell would do me? <laughs> it's it's sort of like how like when he described how tall the wall is, and then when like people were like pointing out to him how ridiculously tall it was. It's like he has no idea of measurement size of sizes, which is lost. <laughs> I mean, Clotho, I've met you and you're pretty tall, but that's still a lot. I mean, that's a, <laughs> I mean, that's a big, I'm not wrong here. I mean, that sounds insane. Yeah, that's a lot. And I mean, I don't think height has any, yeah, I mean, I don't think it has anything to do. I'm a lightweight. I think it's how much you're used to drinking as far as if right. you talk about what they're oh, consuming. It's... Like, I'm such a lightweight. I take like a, like a couple sips and I feel like I'm really buzzed. Yeah, I don't drink much. Like, how many <laughs> bottles of wine would fit in that thing? Like, it's got to oh, be a so size many. Of right. I mean, like... chalices have stems, right? So maybe yeah. it's only like a foot of. Oh, okay. I mean, well, there we go. I mean, that's the thing, too. I, want, I mean, it but does, still, like, for his height, though, that it's would. It's very narrow. Yeah, that would affect his. I mean, as much as they go on about how much Tyrion drinks, it's got to be your blood alcohol level that would impact you if you. I'm assuming if you're that short. I mean, oh, sure. God. He must really has so much blood. Yeah, so I mean, how does no one not die of alcohol poisoning in, this book, in these books? Like, what the hell? <laughs> Just you wait. <laughs> so, so anyway, after that, uh, Tywin's ready to present his gift, and it's a long sword with red and black ripples. And you know, Josh is like almost like he's like all squirrely. He's so excited about it. Um, he tries to crowdsource a name and someone yells Widow's Whale, Widow's Whale, and that's what he chooses. And he starts playing around with it, and he nearly hurts Balin Swan, and Adam Marbrand warns Joffrey about the sharpness of Valyrian steel, and Joff is all, I remember! And <laughs> that, um, that kind of pings Tyrion a bit. And... You know, Sansa notices that at that point he's kind of lost in thought and doesn't pay any attention to her through the rest of breakfast. So on their way out, they 
fall in with Oberyn and Ilaria's sand. And, you know, Sansa comments that she's not beautiful, but has something about her that draws the eye, which I thought was kind of a, I liked that. Yeah. And Oberyn and Tyrion start to verbally spar about the merits of King Viserys versus Baylor the Blessed. And I just felt like, oh, you're forcing this Targaryen shit on me, and I do not want it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> just felt like... But it was more uh, of a foreshadowing of poisoning him, and it seemed to be, be like be mirroring uh, yeah. Joffrey. Yeah. And, <laughs> and to me, it was just like, ugh, Targ. <laughs> targ and a Targ. Um, Can we go back so, to the I remember part? Oh, sure. I think a lot of people point to that as like, Joffrey implicating himself in the the cat's paw at Winterfell. Oh yeah, and you know Tyrion. We, Tyrion start. You know, at the end of the chapter when Tyrion is questioning Sansa, I think you know that's definitely what we're what we're getting there. But oh. then later, when Tyrion says, um, brings up the the dagger, Joffrey just seems confused. Oh, see, I thought of it of him. Um, I thought he was playing it off. Yeah, he was like the trying to like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like he, he realized he slipped that, up, and he was like, "Oh, yep. wait a minute." Because he said, "Did he say you at first? He goes you, and then yeah, then like, he, he was yep. gonna. Hmm. Yeah, I guess that's one interpretation. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I still feel like the cat spot thing is unclear to me, hmm. but but it doesn't seem to bother Joffrey much. I guess either way. So. Um, so neither Oberyn or Alari or Tyrion are big fans of Baylor, and Sansa's shocked because of you know all the miss and like he's Baylor the Blessed, and Alaria is just like oh sweetie, <laughs> and uh, you know kind of breaks down the truth of it, and you know once again I'm I'm often amazed in Sansa's chapters that she's held on to any illusion she has about the world, yeah. um, but it just seems like as soon as you discover that she's ho- holding on to something, it will immediately be destroyed. <laughs> like, I kind of feel, you know, where she is in the wind sample chapter, you know, kind of safely ensconced and seems to have some friends even. Like, those friendships will probably be, you know, they'll probably screw her over. Mm-hmm. Like, that's kind of feels like the positive mm-hmm. thing she has in her life. And I think it's uh, like a survival mechanism. I mean, she's got to believe in something or she's going to fall apart and never the pieces aren't going to be. Yeah. I mean, mean, even like the business of like, I, you know, I really wish she had said, look, I'm having my period. I've got to stay home. And they would have let her baby. And then she would have been spared that. This is an eighth grade gym class, comma. (laughs) Well, no, but I think she's right. I mean, she could have claimed something like that. And they probably, or at least for the breakfast, she would have been spared that. Yeah. But I think she just, it's sort of like if you've ever been in, under a ter- terrific amount of stress, you kind of know that as bad as the stress is, you can keep going and keep going. It's in the calm points that you fall apart because at that point you can. Uh, and I kind of think like instinctively she's just, I mean, she's in pure survival mode. And you know what? If she's going to believe in the myth she's been told because she needs to believe there was some kind of human decency once, I can't fault her for that. I think it's just probably just one more. It's like her remembering incorrectly, which she does quite a lot. I think it's just how she survives. Yeah. Or it's like another example of, you know, her getting kind of lessons in statecraft as well. Yeah. Well, I think at some point, 
I mean, I think this is like at some point she, you know, and she is getting that respite in, as you say, in um, the later books and what we've seen in a wins as she's starting to get, I mean, all those illusions are gradually breaking down, but right now, I mean, she's married to this creepy guy, you know, who, as far as she's concerned is, you know, just as guilty as the rest of them for killing her family off. She doesn't have a lot going on. She's being threatened with rape by the King. You know, I don't think she has the the luxury. I think she's got to keep going. And I think that's why, I mean, she takes it in and I think she thinks about it, but I think her wanting to believe in, in knights and good Kings and stuff. I think that's also, that's how she's going to get through it for now. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so Sansa and Tyrion, it's just, I'm just reading ahead a little bit and laughing about how more shit's going to happen to her like in the next paragraph. So they get into their litter and Sansa wants to leave the curtains open to enjoy the day. You know, again, like taking what she can get. But Tyrion's like, nope, if, we, if people see me, they'll literally throw shit at us. So <laughs> she can't, she literally can't even have like a nice like ride back home. Um, you know, and as they make their way back home, Tyrion starts quizzing Sansa about Joffrey's relationship with Bran. And, you know, as we kind of talked about, he's obviously trying to confirm if Joff was behind Bran's assassination attempt. Um, but Sansa, you know, it's just, it's interesting because Sansa doesn't really understand why he's talking about this. And she keeps, you know, saying, my brothers are traitors and and she doesn't understand what Tyrion wants. And, you know, I'm not sure I understand what Tyrion wants here either. You know, to me, I sort of felt like he he wanted Sansa to feel like they're on the same team. Or, you know, he wants her to think he's good. Like, I, I wasn't sure what he was going for here. You know, do you guys have any thoughts on that? Wasn't he trying to sort of point out that he wasn't responsible for pushing Bran out the tower? Or trying to lead her, her towards... Um, maybe assuming it was Joffrey at one point. I don't know. Yeah, so I think so. But I steer. Yeah, her. but it's like Sansa has no power over that. Yeah. You know, like it doesn't matter what Sansa. I mean, it legit doesn't matter what Sansa thinks in terms of you know anything other than how she feels about Tyrion. He yeah. still wants. He wants to consummate that marriage, and he wants Ugh. her to like him. And I think Ugh. there's some of that. Well, no, but I think. I mean, yeah. I, no, don't I think, think you're right, and I just yeah. think it's so awful. He's a good. I'm, look at what. Yeah. Isn't he a good guy for not raping her? I think that's where that's coming from. <sighs> I also think he is trying. He's sussing out his theories, and he's trying to get some confirmation about them too. I don't think it's all pure sex yeah. drive. I would I love think to have this. From his POV to see like what answers yeah. does he want like from what answers are is he looking for from her? Yeah. Like is he just trying to figure out like what was going on and he's just trying to get more information? I think that's a piece of it. Yeah. But I, think, I feel, like, feel like he's like ninety nine percent sure. I'm sorry, Mitch, I, I interrupted uh, you. I was gonna say it seems like there's a key piece of information he's trying to get, but also he does just have this history of getting drunk and then wanting pretty girls to tell him he's actually a good person. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's just so like, it's so great in the sense of like, what an awful, interesting character, but also just like, Oh God. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's like, you just don't want to even deal with, with the character of Tyrion sometimes. Um, 
So I, I was just going to read the end of the chapter because, again, I'm struggling a little bit to understand it um, necessarily. So I thought I'll read up to the end and, and see what you guys think. Theon uh, Greyjoy, Tyrion sighed. Your lady mother once accused me. Well, I will not burden you with the ugly details. She accused me falsely. I never harmed your brother Bran, and I mean no harm to you. What does he want me to say? That is good to know, my lord. He wanted something from her, but Sansa did not know what it was. He looks like a starving child, but I have no food to give him. Why won't he leave me be? Mm-hmm. Tyrion rubbed at his scarred, scabby nose yet again, an ugly habit that drew the eye to his ugly face. You've never asked me how Rob died, or your lady mother. I would sooner not know. It would give me bad dreams. Then I will say no more. That That's kind of you. Oh, yes, said Tyrion. I'm the very soul of kindness, and I know about bad dreams. Like, ugh. Yeah, the, looking at her like a starving child, that right. part. Like, what, what does he, like, what does he want her to, I don't, I don't see what he wants there. Ugh. Yeah, and I, it's, I mean, he wants her to love him, which is so absurd, I think, when you say it aloud. Yeah, it is. It's so much toxic masculinity. It really is. I mean, it's like he's trying to say, hey, I'm not this bad guy. And he's, I mean, there's a part of him that's right. I mean, he did not arrange for her family to be killed. Mm. He's absolutely right. But at the same time, he didn't stop that marriage. It's not like he, like, protested enough to get it to stop or, you know, he was forced to marry her. He, he... I mean, there's a certain he, point he where you're like, dude, her. you you could have said no. I mean, the irony somebody... of it is, is he doesn't love her. You know, there's nothing. He doesn't, you know, it's not like he's getting to know Sansa and, like, falling in love with her. Like, well, I think he's he has trying no to feelings. recreate, but he's trying to recreate the whole Taisha. I think everything in his life is, like, goes back to trying to recreate that, um, you know, horror that he, you know, inflicted on Taisha and the whole what happened before, you know, that that was his ultimate in his life. And I think anything's ever going to live up to that, however many weeks or whatever it was that he had with her. So I think he wants that kind of relationship, you know, maybe logically he doesn't, he knows he's not going to get it with Sansa or whoever, but some kind of deep seated. A huge part of the Taisha thing is, is not even what happened to her. A huge part of it for him is that he believes that, you know, that she really was a prostitute, you know, that he believes. I mean, I guess at this point he told. does, yeah. And yeah, but I mean, I, don't you think he, he wants, wants that? He wants that not to be true, and while I understand yeah. that as a motivation, and I am somewhat sympathetic, it's like Sansa doesn't owe him shit. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. she does. He, I'm just saying what his believe. motivation is. I yeah. think he just, he just... He wants what he had in that cottage, that fantasy that he had, or, you know, I guess. He wants someone to love him, but to love he, him, yeah. he, he doesn't, but I mean, he doesn't do anything. The only things he's doing for Sansa are by omission, you know, like yeah, he's yeah. not really, you know, he's not really doing anything for her. I mean, what's Sansa's great, I mean. You know, obviously at this point, Sansa sure as hell doesn't want to leave King's Landing because she has her own escape plan going on. But I mean, you know, if he cares about her, the very first thing they should have been doing was getting the hell out of King's Landing. That's a good point. And it's hard to imagine that Tywin would have had an issue with that, like immediately after the wedding, if they were like, well, we're going to go to the rock. 
And that's, yeah, and yeah, that's no, all his, would have been yeah, okay his, with that. His ego, he just can't let go. He can't let go of that fight to be part of that game. And right, well, he like, was so good at being the hand, and that chain would look so much better on him than it does on his daddy. I mean, <laughs> so again, I get it. I do. I get the resentment. God knows I've been resentful about a lot of things in my life, but at a certain point, dude, you got to grow up and put on your big boy pants and... You yeah, know, it's, your it's, father is never going to love you. And the sooner you get that through your head, and well, you know and what? You know, it is gosh. what it is. Because, I mean, he I'm really so could have, <laughs> like, I mean, as much as he's good at reading people, as much as clues Sansa's always sending out of, like, what she sort of wants out of life, he could have taken her back to wherever, Castro, or where, anywhere where it was away from King's Landing. And he could have created a nice, comfortable, safe life for her. And she would have been ecstatic with that, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, even just to be away from the constant. Yeah. Like, there's a line in that chapter where, you know, when Joffrey makes a, you know, I can't remember it exactly, but she's something like, if Joffrey laughs at her, everyone else is going to. The court laughs, yeah. And I mean, even if, if Tyrion had just sort of beaten a retreat to the rock with her. All right, let's let's go there. I mean, she at least would have been freed of the daily threat. I mean, I'm not saying it couldn't have happened or that Joffrey yeah. would have forgotten. But, I mean, it wouldn't have been this constant yeah. threat that she's going to be beaten or raped or both. Yeah, and she would never have loved him, but I think she would have at least she could have respected him or in the sense of gotten, yeah. along, gotten along with him. They could have tolerated yeah. each other. And... Yeah, and I mean, they would have, you know, they could have eventually come to some kind of relationship and, you know, they could have had children even, you know, like. Kind of understand. Especially yeah, if he I mean, waited, that's... if he was respectful, if he wasn't whoring around and he gave her time to mature and well into her adulthood. Yeah, I think it could have been. Yeah, he's just thinking of himself. He doesn't. Yeah, <laughs> he wants, you know, he wants that love, but he doesn't. I mean, and part of it is just I don't know that he is capable of. I don't know that it's something that he's capable of because mm-hmm. even, you know, the people that we know that, you know, with Jamie, does he, like, he tries to rescue Jamie and, you know, I, I think he loves Jamie, but he doesn't know how to show that. Like, his thoughts of Jamie always lead me, and, you know, it's like the whole family's kind of thoughts of Jamie just shows that they don't really know him, you know, like, they never really figured out who he is. And they're so, um, you know, the the way that Jamie loves them is pretty, like, unconditional. And so they don't ever put the work, you know, neither he nor Cersei nor Tywin really ever put the work in on their side. They just accept it. And, you know, Tyrion, I feel like Tyrion works harder for Cersei's affections in A Clash of Kings than he ever does for Sansa. I mean, I don't think Tyrion has, like, any notion of what, like, a healthy, loving relationship is. It's, yeah. It seems like he just has this hole from Taisha and this hole from not having a mom that he's constantly trying to fill, like, all at once with drinking and, mm-hmm. you know, constantly expecting to be credited for things that he's not. And then whatever gross things he deep down wants with Sansa... Yeah, yeah. never be satisfied, I don't think. No. Well, and he's never had, as you're, I think you're getting at, he's never had a healthy relationship to bottle after. I mean, he's never seen one, really. I mean, maybe his 
some of his um, aunts and uncles, but I, I get the feeling that that's not really, you know, Tywin is, I mean, I don't know how much of that he would have had been exposed to. I mean, it seems like Kevin and Dorna have a good relationship, but, you know, I mean, who knows how much Tyrion was really around. Around them, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. or around them together and stuff, you know, like, not enough. And, you know, we know Jenna and Emin don't really, and Jenna seems like she was probably the mm-hmm. um, the one that spent the most time with him. So, yeah, I mean, who who knows? I mean, it's sort of like Tyrion, you know, on many levels, I feel like Tyrion never really had a chance, but also, like... That doesn't necessarily excuse him either, you know. No, definitely not. The tragedy no. of, you know, the it's, tragedy of him. Yeah, right? it's like every step of the way, it's like he's making every time it branches off into a new choice, he's making probably the worst choice for him. Yeah, I mean, he's choosing. You know, for him, it feels like him choosing. You know, his ambitions over the, you know, the other aspects of his life are what, you know, what eventually kind of doom him, at least in this book. Um, any any other comments here? This is kind of, it's fun to, um, I like these chapters one after the other in the order of the book, too. Like, there's, yeah. it gets a nice, yeah, a and, nice rhythm going. And throughout this chapter, it was like George was just saying, hey, Joffrey's going to die next chapter. Hang on. He's going to die. Just hold it, yeah, hold the dream. It's going to happen. Kama, <laughs> uh, did we have any mail this week? We did. We had a, a message on Tumblr. From Anon, who wants to know, I'm wondering if the Song of Ice and Fire related releva- revelations, I can, I can say that word, in the Fire and Blood excerpt have changed any of your minds about reading the book when it's released. Kinda. Ugh, I'm so angry about it. <laughs> What are the what are the revelations or anything so easy the, to summarize? Because I hadn't. Yeah, so the excerpt <sighs> is about. Um, Queen Alysanne the Good's trip up north. So she visits the she visits the Manderlings and everyone loves her. And she visits the Starks and the Starks like the head of the Starks is like a widowed older man and he's like super crusty and hates everyone. Nah. But she quickly like wins him over by like being super awesome and charming. Um, the really relevant part though is that she she also visits the Night's Watch and like wins them all over because she's super charming. But, like, the relevant part for A Song of Ice and Fire is that she she writes that she tries to take her dragon over the wall, and he won't go. Oh. So, dun, dun, dun. Yeah, nice. so that seems to be um, relevant for for our purposes. Um, She's probably the one Targ I'd be interested in learning more, something more about, so there's that. Well, actually, Kama, you might be really interested because apparently George said something about the Boltons being a yeah. big part of that book. So, um, so is maybe, this a is this a fictional retelling or is this a history? What is this? It's a history, but it's oh, like okay. you know, it's written so like a world of, of ice and fire, okay, where there's like a, a little bit of Maester wrote it. Okay. Yeah, okay. I'm feeling kind of cheap, so I think I'm just gonna wait for all the posts and I'll just do yeah. that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Wait for the Tumblr gift sets made so up. The meadows and all stuff, yeah. I'll wait for the fan casting of <laughs> well, the args mentioned in it. I I do love I mean one of the, the things I really love is I love the legends about the wall and I, I do I'm fascinated by her. I think she's an interesting <sighs> character. But she's probably it. I don't give a shit about any of these other people and their their goddamn hair colors. I don't care. <laughs> but her I might 
you know, I'd read excerpts or actually take a look at, you know, um, gifts or whatever. I'm, I'm not going to go fork over money until I know what's in this book, though. And that's our Anyone else? If they're decent, I mean, if it's decent and kind of interesting, I, I could get into it, I think. I wouldn't totally hate it, but... Yeah. I mean, I really wanted to totally hate it, but then it was like, oh, that's interesting. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but is it like, like you know how the, oh God, the book that you said would make a great cat bed, the other book. Um, the World of Ice and Fire. Yeah, which I, I never have cracked over, even I open it. Is it like this, where like there's the one, like the family tree I was most interested in was like the Starks, and there's like not a lot about them. Yeah. You know, is it going to yeah. be like Because I'm not, I'm not down for spending money on something where I'm going to have the one page. I mean, it feels like it's probably more, I don't know, like, it definitely seemed like, you know, at least from that excerpt, you got some fairly good Stark content, but, you know, who knows what, you know, I guess who knows what else is in it, but yeah, it's kind of, you know, and this could be the excerpt that's the most relevant to current events in the series, too, like, it might just be, like, you know, trickery, like, look at, I know you guys don't want this, but look, look, and then the rest of it will just literally be Targ hair colors written one after the other. Yeah, Targ bullshit. <laughs> You're going to give me Targ, it's going to be Dunkin' Egg. Right? Oh, I know. I'm so mad at him. Um, I mean, not, I guess, whatever. <laughs> There's so many more people in the world to be mad at. Um, yeah, I, I got to treat it. I think it's going to be, is it going to be three years or four years this New Year's? Is that the anniversary of his New Year's blog post? <laughs> I still remember that. I remember being on chat with you guys oh. and you were like recapping every, you know, every pain, you know, his painstaking <laughs> blog post over the course thing of- on his DOS machine and it like crashed. So he was painstakingly, re- you know, and you guys yeah. sitting there convinced that every post he was going to have some and then finally it was football it was this it was cooking <laughs> and finally yeah there's not going to be wins and it was like oh god <laughs> what an asshole <laughs> sorry oh never hashtag never forget um so i believe that brings us to a conclusion um you guys can imagine what's happening in our next episode so that'll be very exciting but in the meantime if you um Want to find us? You can find us on iTunes, on Podbean, on Stitcher, on Google Play, and all of those places. If you want to support the podcast, you can support us on Patreon, and um, you get early access to episodes, special episodes, and the like. You can email us at closethedoorand at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at Door Podcast, and on Tumblr and Facebook at Close the Door and Come Here. And that does it for tonight. I'm closing the door. Get out.